Today's show is brought to you by Delicious Obsessions. Real food, real life, and real delicious. Deliciousobsessions.com. You're listening to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, which can be found on our website at treyerwilderness.com and also on iTunes. Welcome to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where we are homesteading traditionally 100% off-grid today and offering preparedness and survival tips for tomorrow. Here's your host, Tammy Treyer. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Woman Radio. I have an awesome guest today. I just wanted to mention that we were blessed with rain I cannot tell you what a glorious, glorious sound that was to hear the rain on my tin roof. That is something I love to begin with, but Saturday evening and into Sunday, we received a nice soaking rain, which has allowed the fires to become a little more manageable out here. My garden is celebrating, and so are we. It was just a really awesome thing to get some relief out here. Just continue to pray for the uh, Pacific Northwest that we get more rain. There's a lot of fires still burning and it's still awful dry out here. So, but thank you all for reaching out to us, those that have, and, and just thank you for the prayers. We really appreciate it. And just uh, continue to check our website at treyerwilderness.com for information. This month is National Preparedness Month, so we are doing a lot of things. Join and subscribe to our newsletter. And for those of you that frequent our website, we have a store. And we are offering a 15% discount for the month of September. And you can go to your shopping cart, process your order, and uh, enter the coupon code National Prep. And stay tuned for a lot of things going on and a lot of information coming your way uh, for preparedness in the month of September. But right now, I don't want to hold up our interview today because I have an awesome, awesome guest. I have Dr. Kirk Elliott joining me. He is a wealth manager at McIlvaney financial group in Durango, Colorado, and he is also an economist as well as a political and economic and social commentator, and Dr. Elliott is known as the America's Financial Doctor, and you can find him at americasfinancialdoctor.com. He is also the founder of Today's America, which you can find at todaysamerica.com, which is a community bringing together some of the most well-known social and fiscal conservatives in the country on issues like sanctity of life, sanctity of marriage, politics, economic freedom, religious freedom, culture, family, Middle East, and worldview. And recently, Dr. Elliott was also the writer and producer of an alarming DVD, which is a wake-up call for America, and I really highly recommend that you watch it. It's entitled 300 Million Slaves, and there is a website there for that as well, which is 300millionslaves.com. And Dr. Elliott has is a wealth of information. I had the privilege to listen to him a couple weeks ago, and although some people may say that his material um, is predictions, I, I think that he will prove otherwise today. He is just a wealth of information, and without further ado, Dr. Kirk Elliott, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Tammy. It's so great to be with you. And, uh, you know, life is, is basically a series of predictions, isn't it? I mean, we all make choices and choices have consequences. So, you know, as a, as a, as a PhD economist, I look at those because in our own life, you know, if, if we make decision A, it's going to lead to a consequence. Well, this happens on the political level too. When policymakers make decisions, it's going to lead to consequences. It happens in the financial world, when, when bankers make, you know, policy, it's going to lead to different consequences. Those consequences could be good or bad. And so when I look at these, when you say, you know, predictions, yeah. um, 
You know, it, all it is is just looking at the facts that are in front of us and saying, okay, best logical conclusion, this is where we're headed because history repeats itself. And, and you know, and, and so this is actually what I do, and this is what I want to talk about today on, on your show and with all of your listeners is I'm going to go over some some big trends um, that have that go back for hundreds of years and these things are, are are like clockwork and you know what history does repeat itself and that's just because when you have certain policies there is going to be certain outcomes that come from that but I'm also going to kind of overlay that with some spiritual cycles that go back thousands of years and what what this is all pointing to is a really economically dismal September and October and actually moving through uh, probably until the fall of 2016, I think we actually hit a rock bottom, but we should we should actually start to see major, major turbulence now. You know, this, this uh, show that you referenced that you heard me on a couple of weeks ago, I talked about these cycles, and I talked about what, what some of this analysis of, of the trends and, and fundamentals happening in the market should lead to. Well, sadly... It's all it's all happening before our very nose as as we record this show. You know, since I did that one, you know, and, and today doing your show, the stock market has been down ten of eleven days, and we're not talking down. You know, ten, twenty, thirty points. We're talking. 500, 600 point down days, huge. And so everything that we talked about a couple weeks ago is actually just coming to fruition. And it's not that it's, uh, you know, some kind of a, a weird, you know, prophetic message and, and I've got this crystal ball. It's like, no, all I'm doing is looking at the fundamentals, applying what I know as a PhD economist and those have outcomes. And so that's kind of what I, what I want to talk about today is, is some of these cycles. So let's start with, with some financial cycles and some long-term ones. So there's a, there's a cycles analyst. He's a market analyst named Peter Aladius. Well, he follows 33-year cycles. And what his 33-year cycle says is from market bottom to market top. You can, you can see these every 33 years. And so let's go back. Let's, let's just actually look at this. Don't take my word for it. So October of 1857, we had a low in the stock market. 32 years and seven months later, we hit a market top in May of 1890. So then that, that actually corrected. It came down. You hit a market low again in October of 1896, 33 years and one month later, September of 1929, was a market high. So here we're averaging about 33 years. Well, we all know what happened in September of 1929. It was the big, huge stock market crash that, that preceded the Great Depression. Well, then, then that absolutely bottomed out, rock bottomed in July of 1932, Again, peaked out 33 years, seven months later. I'm not going to go through all of these dates, but I want to show you that this is a cycle that's happening, and it happens like clockwork um, about every 33 years. So following this cycle, you know, to today, when does the 33-year cycle hit another peak? <laughs> September of 2015. The months that we're in right now, um, and and we're seeing that. I mean, we're seeing, you know, nothing ever happens on the exact day. You know, nobody can ever, unless it's really sheer luck, you know, get out of a market at the absolute top, get into a market at the absolute bottom. You know, you're you're going to be roughly in that area. Well, we've seen the last 10 out of 11 days, huge, massive stock market uh, declines. The, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was over 18,000 points just six weeks ago. Now it's just roughly a little bit over 16,000. We've had almost a 2,000-point drop. In six weeks. This is nuts. But this isn't just an American-centric issue. This is actually the result of too much credit, too much excessive capital, just stimulus, quantitative easing, printing, 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 printing currencies all over the globe until some point you hit a point of critical mass. That's where we are. And, and I, I get it. Policymakers, bankers, the Federal Reserve, the, the, the central bank, you know, European Central Bank, the Bank of Japan, none of them want to be the policymaker that actually uh, sees the whole system fall apart under their watch. 
So what do they do? They keep kicking the can down the road. Well, the road has ended. You know, so they basically kick the can. The can has fallen off the cliff. It just hasn't hit the ground yet. We're out of road. And so why is that? Because we are, we are characterized by being a culture of debt. The global debt implosion is happening before our very eyes. Let's, let's look at it. How this is not just a, uh, an American thing. What happened in China? You know, I know so many people who are investing in China. They're the manufacturing superpower. The grass is greener on the other side kind of an attitude. Well, you know what? The, the Chinese stock market's down about 35% over the last eight weeks. 35% of all time. You know, it took to, to build it up to that. They've lost one third of the value in just the last eight weeks. This is a, this is a free fall. Well, sadly, Bank of America has said, you know, they're, they're looking at some, some studies, government, government bailouts funding, you know, no more public money going in to bail out the Chinese stock market is what they're looking at. Well, that's a signal. So what comes from the result of, of that signal is we kind of forecast that out. Well, they're predicting another 35% fall in the Chinese stock market. You know, they're not just pulling that out of thin air. It's the result of a signal of, of public money ceasing to go into the Chinese stock market anymore. I mean, that's going to have outcomes. That's what I look at as, as, a, as an economist is just these logical outcomes to policy decisions. So if they're expecting another 35% fall in the Chinese stock market, that's a 70% reduction in value um, by the time this is done. That is huge. That is a catastrophic loss that they can't be made up. So how how then, if there's going to be no public money going in to bail that out, how is China going to make ends meet? They've got to help bail out some of these companies. They've got to make build a framework for success for the Chinese companies to actually, you know, prosper. Well, they devalued the yuan. How do they devalue the yuan? They're selling U.S. treasuries onto the open market, and Belgium is buying them. You know, so basically Belgium being a proxy for the, for the European Union. So how much did they sell? $143 billion of U.S. treasuries just hit the open market. They keep this up like they're planning on doing. They will be out, completely sold out of their U.S. treasuries by the end of December. Oh my word. This is, a, this is a massive surplus. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it will keep it up. They've, they've alluded to the fact that they're going to keep this policy moving forward. But, uh, the fact that they're just a mass exodus out of U.S. treasuries tells us that demand for U.S. assets is, is falling apart. So again, what, well, that is a signal. That is a signal of things to come. So, what is Janet Yellen, chairwoman of the Federal Reserve, going to do with this news? Well, what she's, it's not just this news, it's, it's other news that demand for U.S. assets over the last two years is down 60%, 6-0. There's a mass exodus out of U.S. dollars because the rest of the world views our currency now as monopoly money. And I'm just putting this in layman's terms. There's a lack of demand. Now there's an excess supply in the market, which means it's going to drive the price down. So how do you stimulate more demand for our failing currency when nobody else wants it, when, when it's off 60% over two years and China's gone into this, this new phase of, of liquidating U.S. treasuries and they're the second largest owner of U.S. treasuries on the planet, only behind the Federal Reserve, <laughs> that just prints money out of thin air to buy U.S. treasuries. I mean, they're using fake money to buy treasuries. But, but China, so what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to have to stimulate more foreign buyers of U.S. treasuries. How do you do that? Again, look at history. It tells us how they do that. They have to raise interest rates. This is how, you know, Tammy, do you remember, and, 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 I bet a lot of your listeners are going to remember this too. In, in the early 1980s, if you were to buy a house back then, an interest rate on a 30-year mortgage was 15 to 20%. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I remember my parents buying a house in 1983, 18% mortgage on their house. It's like, that's crazy. Well, I don't necessarily care if rates are high or low. I want to know why they got there. If we can understand why something happens, we can we can act accordingly and we can plan and we can protect. Right. I mean, that's the goal of, of your show is to, is to get people to protect themselves, understand the times we're living in, be like what, what the Old Testament says, sons of Issachars who understood the times and knew what to do. Well, that's my prayer for today's generation is we understand the times and know what to do. Yes. See, yes. We, we just need wisdom and discernment to navigate through this economy. So interest rates were, were in the mid-teens to upper teens in the early 80s. But why? How did they get there? Well, to, to view that, we have to look back at the late 1970s. Late 1970s, we had an oil crisis in America. Unemployment was through the roof. Taxes were through the ceiling. Um, so you had high taxes, high unemployment. Um, high inflation, subsequently the dollar stunk overseas. We were in a huge recession. So Paul Volcker, chairman of the Federal Reserve, came in in the early 80s and said, I can fix this, people. It's not going to be pretty, but I can fix it. How am I going to do it? I have to raise interest rates. I have to jack them through the roof to get more foreign capital coming in because if you're China, you know, let's just play this out. Let's say that we're China. We're sitting here scratching our chin thinking, why would I invest in U.S. Treasuries? They're only 30-year bonds are only paying 2.9%, and uh, they're treating their currency like monopoly money. That's not a good reward for the risk that we're taking. So, but what if? What if interest rates were 10%, 13%, 15%, 20%, you know, like they were in the early 80s? Now, all of a sudden... They're looking, thinking, oh, my word, there's a, there's a reward to this risk that we're taking. Let's start investing into U.S. Treasuries if they're spitting off interest in the mid-teens. So this is why interest rates have to go up. And from a logical level, can they go any lower? I mean, what are rates on CDs? They're less than 1%. We're approaching zero. They can't go any lower. They can only go up. And the reason they they are going to go up is because Janet Yellen has said that they will. <laughs> she said, "Look, we we've got to raise interest rates um, because." But this was back in the spring of this year. But she said, "We can't afford it right now. Our country can't afford raising rates, so we're going to have to do it in the fall." It's like, wait a second, what it. What is going to change between the spring and the fall of this year where all of a sudden are we going to be prosperous? Is all of a sudden our dollar going to be strong? How can we afford raising rates now? Is something dramatically going to change? No, it's not. But let's read between the lines. What is she actually saying? Well, this is my paraphrase. She's saying, hey, America, I'm not an idiot. I'm chairwoman of the Federal Reserve. Um, I can't raise rates right before the hot and heavy real estate months of the summer. That would kill the real estate market. We're going to have to wait until the fall. That's how I read her statements and saying that we have to wait until fall. It's not that we can afford it in the fall. It's just that, that again, kicking the can down the road as far as you can until we reach the point of no return. Well, I think that we're there, especially with China now dumping U.S. Treasuries like there's no tomorrow. So this is another cycle, the interest rate cycle. So we've talked about Peter Aladius' cycle that, that culminates in, in a stock market peak in September of this year. Interest rate cycles are on average 28 years from high to low or from low to high. That's throughout history. That's at the average. Well, we had a high point in 1983 at around 18%. Now we're at a low point, you know, about 2 point something percent uh, from 1983 until now. That's 32 years later. We're pushing the edge of the envelope on the average interest rate cycle. So what does that tell me? If they can only go up, we're probably in for a couple decades of rising interest rates. So, if people lived with, uh, you know, biblical standards for successful living, where it says, you know, in Proverbs, a borrower is a slave to the lender. You know, basically that's saying, get out, stay out of debt. Mm-hmm. Well, as a, as, a, as a nation, we are in debt up to our eyeballs. Consumers are, municipalities are, state governments are, the federal government is. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. So when the moment you raise rates from 2 to 4%, that's not a 2% increase. That's doubling of the rate. Mm-hmm. 
anybody living at the margin is going to get slaughtered. Slaughtered. Because their rates, their, their payments of cost of servicing that debt is going to go through the ceiling. But see, if you had no debt, if you, if you lived a, a life of a borrower as a slave to the lender and you had no debt, well then right interest rates, it wouldn't really affect you all that much, even if interest rates are 20, 30, or 40%. Yeah. I mean, ultimately things would be a little bit more expensive because other people have debt and they have to raise prices to compensate for that. But it doesn't directly affect you because you have no debt. But that doesn't describe America. So what I'm trying to do here is paint a picture of what is going to happen when some of these cycles complete, when when the interest rate cycle starts going up. Anybody who carries debt, anybody living at the margin, margin is going to be squeezed out. It's going to be hard to survive. So you've got a stock market cycle, 33-year cycle that, that hits a peak in September. But there's another guy named Bo Polney. Again, he, he's a, he's a long-term cycles analyst. He, he follows a 21-year cycle. Where Aladius follows a 33-year cycle, Polney follows a 21-year cycle. You know, it goes back 250 years, like clockwork, this thing happens. When does he see the stock market peaking out? Again, September of 2015 is when his anal an analysis shows that the stock market peaks out. So you've got two people showing that the stock market peaks out. The bond market is ripe for rates to go up. What is that going to mean? Well, let's play this out. So declining rates like we saw from 1983 until now, so for about 30 years, would have caused the stock market to boom. And it did because the cost of borrowing comes down. They're stimulating people to spend, to borrow, to buy. Um, and that's what we do better than anybody else on the planet as Americans. And sadly, Tammy, this is a sad legacy that we leave for future generations is, hey, we're known as really good spenders. <laughs> it's like, oh, my word, that's not something to be known for. <laughs> but but it, but it's what we're known for. And so when, when we can borrow cheaply, we're going to borrow. Well, that's exactly what we did. The more we borrowed, the more we spent, the more corporate America became profitable, the higher the stock market went. This is the domino effect. Well, when, when interest rates come down, the value of bonds goes up. It's an inverse relationship, which means, so as interest rates came down for 30 years, the bond market went up for 30 years. The bonds are one of the best investments you could have had for the last three decades. Um, also, real estate boomed for the last three decades. You know, with a couple hiccups here and there because of the subprime crisis and other things like that. But overall, as interest rates come down, the cost of borrowing comes down, so housing becomes more affordable. This is why the housing market boomed for, for you know, almost 30 years. So, so what happens when interest rates start going up? Because we're at the end of an interest rate cycle, and they can only go up from here. Well, that means people are going to spend less because they're already living at the margin when interest rates go up and they have a lot of debt, their income basically comes down. They have left, less left over at the end of every month. So they're going to have to curb their spending habits, which means corporate America becomes less profitable, which means the stock market comes down. As interest rates go up, the value of bonds comes down. So the bond market is going to get crushed. Oh, my word. Anybody who owns bonds moving forward is going to get crucified. Because as interest rates rise, the only place that the bonds can do is come down. That's just how the markets work. It's, it's just math. I mean, it's simply just math. And we have to ask ourselves, where can interest rates go? Well, we're approaching zero. They can only go up. I would get out of bonds then and I would get out of annuities. Because uh, insurance companies are 70 to 100% allocated into bonds in their internal portfolios. All of them. I, can, I can't really find an insurance company when looking at their internal portfolios that have less than 70% allocation into bonds. Oh, my word. We're going to look at AIG after AIG after AIG and what this market is, is playing out to be. Well, that also means housing is, is ripe for a collapse. You know, you see shows on TV, these flippers and stuff that are, you know, buying house and trying to make a quick profit. This is going to become very, very difficult to do because housing prices are going to come down as interest rates start to rise. And this is going to affect a lot of people because what did I just mention? The stock market, the bond market, and real estate. 
Oh my word, those are three of the big boys. You know, those are the basically three big asset categories that people can invest in. And they all are all ripe for collapse based on some of these financial projections. But let's overlay all of this with a spiritual cycle. I mean, there's, and your listeners are, are probably going to be very well aware of this, but there's a, this year is a Shemitah year. Now this, uh, the Shemitah is, is, uh, it's the Hebrew calendar year. It's a cycle of seven years. And things are playing right into this orchestrated timeline as laid out in the Torah. The wacky thing is that September 13th of, of this year is Elul 29. Elul is, is on the Hebrew calendar, it's a month, and the 29th is, is the end of the, that basically, it's the end of that calendar month, and this is when this, every Elul 29th you have this, this thing happening. Well, every seven years on Elul 29 is a release. It's a purging of debt on the Hebrew calendar. So we get that on September 13th of this year. Let's follow this back, okay? Because I, I want I want to look at this. It, it's very interesting. So when you go back um, to seven years ago, all right, that was September 29th of 2008 was Elul 29 seven years ago. What happened on that exact day? The stock market came down 777 points, the biggest stock market crash in the history of America in one day. That was the Lehman Brothers, you know, collapse. Well, it happened at the end of a Shemitah cycle. It happened on Elul 29. Well, let's go back seven years before that. September 17th, 2001. That was Elul 29. On, on the Hebrew calendar. And up until that point, that was the greatest stock market crash in U.S. history. What happened that day? One week prior, the Twin Towers got attacked with a terrorist attack. They went down. So so then the stock market was closed for one week. It opened up on September 17th, you know, one week after 9-11, and, it, and it, the Dow plummeted 684 points. Again, on a Lul 29th, the end of a Shemitah year cycle. So, so this goes back all the way to creation, this seven year pattern. You know, the, God rested on the seventh day. You know, there's this purging of debt every, every seven years. But, but this year is actually a double whammy when you look at spiritual cycles because starting on, on September 28th is the beginning of a year of Jubilee. On the Hebrew calendar, what is a year of jubilee? That is a, a complete wiping, wiping away of debts, and and you know Israel gains. It's basically marked by war. It's uh, you you look back, and we're going to look back at a couple of these these year of jubilee cycles. But it's marked by war, and 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 a release of of assets, a release of debt, and and basically God's people are blessed, are benefited during that time. So so what happened 50, so this is every seven years cycle multiplied times seven. So it's seven of these Shemitah year cycles. So every 49 years on that 50th year is a year of Jubilee. So go back 50 years. When was that? Well, that was 1967. There was a war, um, back then. The, the, 1967 was the Six-Day War, and Jordan was forced to give up territory back to Israel. Fifty years prior to that was 1917. The Balfour Declaration gave the Jewish people a na national home in Palestine, which was again giving back to the Jewish people. So, you know, we can go back on this, 50-year cycles, but what does that lead to today? Another year of Jubilee coming up from September of 2015 till September of 2016. I think it's going to be marked by war. It's going to be marked of, of a remission of debt, a release, a purging. This is what the, the spiritual cycle is overlaying the financial cycles that I talked about, overlaying this interest rate cycle that's about to go up. It's like, how many arrows do we need pointing to this fall, this September, October, and moving forward for the next year should be economically disastrous? Well, 
you know, let's just look at some of the fundamentals and stop looking at trends because when it really comes down to it, I'm not a, I'm not a, a technical guy. I'm not a chart guy. I look at fundamentals because fundamentals make the world go round. Well, well, it's becoming harder for for investors to understand what's going on because normally markets are very good at sending signals. You know, prices are signals. But in the current environment, the, with the advent of quantitative easing with stimulus and all these central banks trying to push markets in a particular direction, in an upward direction, we have a world where price signals may not actually tell us much about reality because the government has become the price maker with public money, with money that they're printing out of thin air, and that's not reality. You know, that's not something that you can hang your hat on, you know, because ultimately they run out of money. Well, Pippa Malmgren, she was on President Bush's plunge protection team. Um, Brilliant, brilliant lady. Um, Well, she wrote a book called Signals. Well, she said, basically, uh, the debt can't be paid off. It's mathematically impossible for our $18 trillion debt to be paid off. So then what? Then, if that's the case, then taxes become a moot point, don't they? Because it doesn't matter if taxes are 100%. If taxes, if it's impossible to pay back, it's impossible. It doesn't matter if taxes are 20% or 100%. It's impossible. So, how do then governments deal with that? Same way that they're dealing with it in Greece and in Cyprus. Austerity or inflation. Inflation just means the central banks are going to print money out of thin air like there's no tomorrow and cause inflation. Austerity means that government is going to start slashing expenses. You know, they're going to cut programs, they're going to cut people's pensions, they're going to they're going to they're going to cut. That's what austerity means. So that's really the only two arrows they have left in their quiver, Tammy, is austerity and inflation. Does that whole concept actually make sense that if, if, if debt can't be paid off, then taxes become a moot point? And those are the only two things that we have left. Yeah. And, and so as, as we look at this, you know, very logical. Never base your investment decisions on emotion. Never base it out of fear. Because if you make decisions based on fear, you're basically going to make the wrong decision the majority of the time. Base your decisions based on logic, on being a student of the markets, being a student of history, understanding the times we're living in. When you do that and you identify some of these cycles, you identify these trends, you identify the fundamentals that make the world go around, well, then you know what? You can be in the right place at the right time. Use creativity, wisdom, and discernment that God gives us, and we we can thrive. We can thrive even some of the worst times that we're going to be faced with, um, you know, during this generation or any generation. I mean, I think we're looking at a global debt blow-off. I think we're going to look at a hyperinflationary scenario where it's going to be tough for mommies and daddies to put food on the table and feed their babies. You know, you, we, we look on the news and you read about things, you know, and and you've got stuff happening in Ferguson, civil unrest. You've got stuff happening in Baltimore, civil unrest, where those were, were basically race issues that are happening there. What happens when the government has to go into austerity programs and the numbers that we're faced with do not look pretty. All you have to do is go to whitehouse.gov. Look at the, look at the federal budget from the White House. Just look at the real numbers. Look at our budget for 2014. You know what that shows us when you look at it? It's that we bring in about $2.8 trillion a year in federal tax revenues. How much do we spend on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, women, infant, children programs, welfare programs, basically entitlements and mandatory payments? How much of that $2.8 trillion do you think we spend on that stuff? Well, it's $2.05 trillion. It's 82% of everything we bring in as a nation goes out towards mandatory payments and entitlements. We have become a nation of takers instead of a nation of givers. There's a framework that has been established that makes it impossible for us to succeed because we've been too top-heavy. Not only that, but Social Security is, is basically a legalized Ponzi scheme. 
Why do I say that? What's a Ponzi scheme? Well, it's just like this illegal pyramid where the people coming in at the end, these bottom people, they're paying money into a system to pay the people who got in first, and there's going to be no money left for them. Isn't that what Social Security is like? You know, we've got a declining population. We've got a a birth rate in this country that's now less than 2.0. It's 1.9. That means that, you know, mommy and daddy, when they kick it, when they die, you know, if we were at 2.0, they would be replacing themselves. We're below that for the first time in the history of our nation. Mommies and daddies aren't even replacing themselves, meaning... We've got fewer people working, paying into the system. We're a graying, aging population, more people getting benefits in, in retirement years. This is a recipe for a disaster. It's a recipe that cannot, um, you know, bake a, a good cake here. You know, it's the only thing that can come from this is implosion of the system. Too few people paying into something where too many people are receiving benefits. This is how Greece went down. This is how Cyprus went down. Exact scenario. How are we going to be any different? How are we any different? Well, we are different because we're the world's reserve currency. But the IMF, the G20 nations, there's there's talk and increasing chatter that, hey, we're going to have to replace the, the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. All that that means in layman's terms is international settlements are traded in U.S. dollars. So when Russia buys something from China, they're not paying for it with rubles. They're paying for it with the dollar. When, when China buys something from Brazil, they're not paying for it with the yuan. They're paying for it with the U.S. dollar. This has been in petrodollars, you know buying oil that's all traded in U.S. dollars. So this is the system that's been in place since 1944. The system is doomed for failure because it always has. It's impossible for a reserve for a, for a country to keep a reserve currency status forever because prior to America, it was Great Britain. Prior to Great Britain, it was the Dutch. Why, why do they lose their reserve currency status? Well, when other countries need your currency for trade, that country has to print more of that currency than what they need domestically for other people to be able to use it. So they're just printing more than what they need because the rest of the world needs it. Well, ultimately, and this is just human nature, you print so much that the rest of the world looks at it and says, wait a second here. They've been printing way too much money. They're treating it like monopoly money. It's time for a new reserve currency. It's time for a monetary regime change. This is what's happening, and this is how it's designed to actually work. It just has to work that way. And so when we lose our reserve currency status, the U.S. dollar, we're already seeing there is no demand for U.S. dollar. In fact, Chinese are, are dumping it like there's no tomorrow. There, there's a mass exodus out of U.S. assets down 60% in two years. We're already seeing facing declines in, in demand for our, our stuff. Well, when we lose reserve currency status, really there is no demand for U.S. dollars anymore. We are then no different than Greece or Cyprus or Italy or France or any of these other countries because we don't have reserve currency status. So what is the final outcome going to be? The same exact thing that we're seeing there because we're really no different. Mm -hmm. See, this is the kind of logical things that is you play them out. I don't want to scare people. I just want to lay out the facts so people then can make wise decisions with everything they've been entrusted with and not let a lifetime of earnings, a lifetime of savings erode because of some dumb government policy that neither you nor I can control. But what we can control is what we do given the facts in the world that we're living in. That's my goal. That's what I want to do is educate and and, and equip people to engage and act. It's not just enough to hear. You have to hear and you have to act. And that's that's what I that's my my prayer and that's what I want for this generation is that we would be bold, that we would be courageous, that we would think outside the box and do something different than has been done over the last 30 years because the world is a different place. You know, there's there's financial advisors that say, hey, just invest into 20 different mutual funds, put 5% in each one, and you'll be able to weather any financial storm. Or go into an annuity and and guarantee, you know, that you're, you're not going to lose money, you only participate in market gains. Well, that's silly. Because if we're facing this, this 
decline in, in equities that we've already seen the stock market come down 2,000 points. And if you're guaranteed to only, you know, to not lose anything and just only go up as the markets go up, well, you're guaranteed to get zero. Not only are you just guaranteed to get zero, you're going to lose money due to inflation. How so? Okay, let's, let's look at this. Uh, interest rates right now on a CD are about 1%. Unofficially, inflation is about 10%. So if inflation's at 10% and you're getting 1%, you're actually losing 9% a year in purchasing power, right? <laughs> so you keep that CD thinking you're guaranteed not to lose any money for 10 years. You've lost 90% of the value of your portfolio due to inflationary pressures. Is that a good guarantee? All that you guaranteed is you're going to lose 90% in something that you thought you were guaranteed not to lose. <laughs> let's let's go back even further because really the, the, the goal here is to protect and preserve everything we've worked our whole life to accumulate. The best way to do that right now, and this isn't always the case, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, this was not the case. But for right now, from 2002 moving forward, there was a paradigm shift in gold and silver. Gobble up gold and silver because it's grown tremendously. It's up over 300% since that time. That's a great return. What's the stock market up? Well, the stock market in 2002 was 10,000. Today it's 16,000. So that's up 60% in the same time frame. What would you rather have? Over 300% or 60%? Well, it's not like the stock market's down, but I'd rather have 300% gain than 60. <laughs> um, this is common sense. So, so there's a time and a place for everything. I'm not a gold and silver guy. I'm just a gold and silver guy for right now. In the 80s and 90s, I was a stock and bond guy. I mean, so, so just, hey, we have to be students of history, students of the markets, identify the times that we're living in and act accordingly. So let's go back, because in this country, we used to have gold-backed currency. So back in, in the early 1900s, you know, 1913-ish time frame, a $20 bill was the equivalent of one ounce of gold. And that's why your old one-ounce gold pieces have $20 written on them. You could have gone to the store and given, or the bank and, and given them one ounce of gold or a $20 bill. It was the equivalent. It didn't matter. They were exchangeable. <laughs> so let's say you had person A that said, I've got a million dollars. I'm going to put a, I'm going to keep a million dollars in gold and just hold on to that. What's that worth today? 102 years later, a million dollars is worth $63 million. That's a great gain. <laughs> oh, my word. What, what about person B who said, I'm just going to keep mine in cash? It was the same exact back then. You know, a million dollars in gold is worth a million dollars in cash. So what's that cash worth, that guy, you know, 102 years later? It's worth $20,000 because of inflation. What would you rather have? You started with a million. Would you rather have $63 million or $20,000? No it's contest. a pretty crazy difference, isn't it? Yeah. See, this is where gold and silver act as an insurance policy against a collapsing currency, and that's what we're faced with. So moving forward, you know, how to protect and preserve? How do we save, you know, protect everything we've worked our entire life to accumulate from some stupid government policies that neither you nor I can control? How do we protect ourselves from a debt implosion that's happening around the world? You know, the, the Chinese stock market coming down, the European stock market coming down, the European Union collapsing, the emergence of ISIS, which is scaring people silly, and, and which is going to cause a war in the Middle East, and it's going to cause oil to go through the ceiling, and that's going to cause to go up and inflationary pressures when people's incomes are coming down. This is the picture I'm painting moving forward. This is what... You know, the brave new world is going to look like moving forward. Well, what do we do as wise, prudent individuals? Mm. Hey, I would invest in gold and silver. I wouldn't do it through stocks. I wouldn't do it through ETFs. I wouldn't do it through mining shares. I wouldn't do it through Bitcoin or something like that that says it has gold backing. All those are just digital currencies. They're electronic. If there's an EMP blast, your, your Bitcoin is worthless <laughs> because it does, it, you can't do it. Have something on you. Have something that's portable and valuable that not only is it going up, at some point, best case scenario, uh, you know, we, we see gold and silver go 
go through the roof. You know, analysts right now are saying gold should end up 7,500 to 15,000 an ounce before this is all said and done. Yeah. Well, hey, let's not take the high. Let's not take the medium. Let's take the low. The most conservative estimate is 7,500. Mm-hmm. That's still a factor of six, mm-hmm. six times greater than that we are right now. Well, what my goal would be is, hey, we just lock in our gold and silver, we sell it at a 600% gain, and we take that and we roll it back into bonds when bonds are maybe 15, 20% or something crazy, and just like they were in the early 80s. Well, if he started with 100,000, that went to 600,000 in gold, well, and, and interest rates get to 15% like they were in the mid 80s, what's 15% of 600,000? $90,000 a year in income only. Starting with a $100,000 investment, you just basically gave yourself $90,000 a year in income for the next 30 years if you hold that bond till maturity. Yes. See, that would be a best-case scenario, a wise thing to do. But, but even if we look at a worst-case scenario, the currency collapses. Merchants around the country don't even want it anymore, like what we're living through in Venezuela right now. Like they're looking at in Greece and Cyprus right now. Nobody wants the currency anymore. And and merchants say, we don't want that junk, but we've got good groceries we want to sell you. What do you have that's of value? Right. You know, well, I've got some silver. Great. You know, so people who have cash are going to be squeezed out because merchants won't want it anymore. This is why I don't like paper versions. I don't like paper proxies like ETFs or mining shares or, or that digital currency. I want to protect and preserve for all circumstances. If there is an EMP blast, mm-hmm. don't have anything that's digital. You won't be able to access it. <laughs> when the banks go under, uh, if you have any, your, your stocks, your, your paper assets, they're going to be worthless because it's going to be hard to use them for anything. Mm-hmm. Have something that's portable, that's valuable, that, that has a, a solid value and always has. Gold and silver will be a de facto currency in a worst-case scenario, and, and it's also just going to go up in value. I mean, it's kind of like a double bonus. So invest wisely. Allocate wisely. If you have an IRA, some kind of retirement assets, you know what? I can help you with that too. And and it's not by buying mining shares. I don't like them anyways. So it would be by purchasing physical gold and silver coins that you can actually store in storage in an IRA. You're talking about physical gold and silver. When you take distribution of your IRA, we can send you the exact silver, golden coin, you know, gold coins, silver coins, silver bars, whatever you have in your portfolio, you can take that physical possession of them. It's a like-kind distribution. You don't have to liquidate the asset and take cash if cash is meaningless. So so there are so many solutions, Tammy, that we can do moving forward. And this is how I can have a smile on my face and have hope because the Lord does give us wisdom and discernment and creativity to navigate through this minefield that we're living in of an economy well, let's take advantage of these, these situations and take advantage of these trends that I was talking about rather than those trends taking advantage of us. Yep. That's my goal. That's what I want to offer everybody. I've, I've got a couple of things that every listener I would like for them to have. My The, the DVD that you mentioned, um, I, I've got that in a streaming version, an electronic version. Okay. I'll give that to every single listener that you have. They just have to get in touch with me. I'll give them the link. I've also got a five-course webinar series, Gold and Silver Mastery Program. How do you buy gold? How do you buy silver? How do you store it internationally? How do you store it at home? How do you do it in an IRA? I mean, every you know the things to look for, the things to avoid, You know, just kind of a how-to. I, I, I've been selling it. I will give it away. Because the window of opportunity here is is so, I don't think it's going to be open forever. And I'm past the point of wanting to make money on that. I just want to give it away to help as many people as possible get out of harm's way and protect themselves. So again, just let me know, you know, your name, your email, so we can get you the links to that. Um, Tammy, if you could actually, you know, post some of these things on your website or social media or whatever, just let people know it's available. I mean, oh my word, we're... The, the world is changing underneath our, our very nose. Just from two weeks ago when you heard this, yes. me, me speak on that, that other program, um, 
Everything we talked about has been happening. The stock market is getting crushed. Chinese stock market is getting crushed. Things are happening, and I think as you start to overlay these spiritual cycles in the Shemitah year uh, on top of all this stuff, I think that we're poised for a very huge um, paradigm-shifting, world-changing events in September and October and moving forward uh, through 2016. But hey... You don't, don't stick your head in the sand. Don't live in fear. Yeah. Don't operate out of fear. Don't make decisions out of fear because there's hope. Yeah. I mean, listen, really, I do have a smile on my face because, hey, my clients are doing well. Um, we're, we're doing well. Our investments, it's just, you take advantage of these trends rather than letting them take advantage of you and don't ever operate from a position of fear. That's the wrong thing to do, but rather, with hope and with wisdom and with discernment and with prudence and being a wise steward with everything that you've been given, act accordingly, and the future actually looks pretty bright for you, for you, for finances. I'm not saying that the economy is going to be great. In fact, it's going to be horrible. It's going to stink. But And if you didn't do anything, yeah, that is good reason to be fearful because you will sink with the ship. <laughs> but, hey, there's stuff that we can do. It's not too late, to, but you have to act now. Yeah, and such amazing information. And it was a very big eye-opener to hear you speaking on the other show and and then see it all unfolding. It was just awing. And, and you could feel it coming. You could see it coming. And, and that's the big thing is so many people do have their head in the sand. And I'm just so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule today to share this information because people need to know and Typically, people act in fear, and it, it is the worst thing ever, no matter what situation they're in. So this is just a blessing of information for my audience, and I would love to be able to um, hook them up with you for the freebies. Would you like to leave your email uh, for them to connect with you? Absolutely. Go ahead and... and uh... My website, I'm, I'm just putting a few modifications on it right now. By the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be up and running, but that's americasfinancialdoctor.com. My email is kirk at americasfinancialdoctor.com. Just simply my first name, K-I-R-K, at americasfinancialdoctor.com. Or you can go ahead and call me. I'll keep my direct line here at my office, and you'll get myself or, or one of my amazing assistants. I'm I'm incredibly blessed. I have a tremendous team of mm-hmm. of people who think like 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 I do and have the same love for people. And and uh, so, anyways, that number is eight six six two one one eight nine eight six. That's eight six six two one one eight nine eight six. Call me, email me, go to the website. Um, but I would love to get you the free material. Um, I mean, normally I've charged hundreds of dollars for that for that webinar series. It is free, and and you know, tell everybody else about it. It's it's. I'm I'm going to make it for free for for your your listeners, Tammy, and their friends, their family, anybody who they send to the link, they can get it and. Uh, Look, we, we just need to, we need to protect. We're, we're stronger together than we are alone. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all about. You know, having, having a community of like-minded people that are all acting in, in accordance. You know, that way you have, you have somebody to, to celebrate with you during your successes. You have a shoulder to cry on during the hard times. You know, a, a community of like-minded people is incredibly important given what's, what's bearing down on us. Amen. Amen. Very so. And, and as, uh, Kirk was mentioning, you know, being prepared and being able to feed our families, that's where we come in and where we've been teaching and showing you how to do the traditional and primitive skills so that when this situation and if this situation occurs, that you have the skills and the mindset and the abilities to do what you need to do. So take it all in. Knowledge is power and, and like, Kirk said, a like community is so huge and so important to be able to share, learn, and, and prosper through each other. So, Dr. Kirk Elliott, thank you so, so very, very much for joining us today and sharing this extremely huge wealth of information. And I would love to have you back on um, several months from now. Um, if you have the time, I know my audience would probably need your guidance uh, even more as things progress through this. 
Absolutely. I'd be happy to do so. It would be my pleasure. I mean, it's my calling in life. It's what I was created to do. So just reach out to me whenever, Tammy. Um, love love to help you out. Love to help out your audiences as much as possible. I, again, we're in this boat together. Yeah. Yep. You know, so so let's let's you know make it through this harsh time. You know, said it, you said if this happens, really, I believe we're beyond that point. Right. It's a matter of when. Yeah. There has never been a fiat currency, which means currency just printed by government decree that has ever lasted. One hundred percent of the time throughout history, they fail. Those aren't good odds to overcome. So it is a to me, it is a matter of when mm-hmm. all of this stuff starts to happen. I just think. That we're the generation that's going to be living through it and watching it. And to me, you know, that's not something to be fearful of. That's that's like, you know what, God could have knit us together in our mother's womb 400 years ago or 100 years from now, but he decided, you know, we were created for right now, to be on earth for right now for a specific reason. We better figure out what that reason is. Mm-hmm. Um because because we all have an amazing responsibility. All of us have something that we can do better than anybody else can because of where we live, what we think, the people that we know, the knowledge that we have. You know, we're all created for something special and something significant. So I encourage you to walk out this this calling and what you were created for and really make a difference in this world and, and be an impact on our culture and try to make this country a better place for future generations than it is now. Because if we do nothing, if we don't act out with the giftings and, and you know, with the stuff that we've been equipped with and the calling that, that we have that's prepared for us, well, then, then our time on earth wasn't wasn't utilized for what it should have been. So, you know, Tammy, you're doing that. I love that. You are doing what you are called to do and making a difference in this world. And this is what I'm doing on the economic front. And I know that I would, you know, I'd love to hear from your listeners. And I know you would too, you know. It's like, we're doing that. This is what we're doing. This is the difference that we're making. This is how we're engaging our neighbor. This is how we're engaging the culture and and changing it at the grassroots level and, and really making a difference. And you know what? Whether we win or lose is immaterial. It's that we're trying and we're doing what we were called to do. Yes. And uh, and and we are making a difference, person by person by person, and and that's that's really what's exciting to me. And why I love to do shows like this because it's it's not too often when when I do national radio and TV and stuff. You know, sometimes you can't just spill your guts like I am now. <laughs> it's like, but this is this is who I am. This yes. is what I feel, and this is what I do. And uh, you're the same way, and that's why I loved doing your show. So thank you so much for what you do. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And it's just so funny. Your words are so powerful there because in 2010, before we embarked on this journey to live off grid, we were driven to this area and we were driven to this exact location. And it's just really crazy because at the time we didn't know our purpose. We didn't know what was intended of us. But And our website was a pacifier for our families so that they knew that we weren't eaten by mountain lions and bears and wolves. And it has just progressed. God will show you what your calling is if you're willing to commune with Him and be open to Him and hear and see what He's showing you. So many times He opens doors for people and they don't see the doors opening. They're too caught up in the other things of life to see those doors. And I encourage you guys to open your eyes and open your hearts and your minds and see what God's purpose is for you. Because when you step into that, it is one of the most amazing feelings in the whole wide world. It's so awesome. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and, I, and you know, you, you have to... You have to change yourself sometimes and get rid of the get rid of the junk. And I heard this this amazing uh, message by by a pastor in in Redding, California. And he said, "Transformed people transform cities," hmm. and that's exactly what what we're doing. Is you know if it, if you're just full of junk. Yeah, you're not going to be very effective. And so, so work on yourself. And, and once you get that, you know, better cleared up, it's like, okay, now you're going to really make a huge difference because people are going to want what you have. Absolutely. They're going to want, they're going to see the, the light in your eyes. And, and the darker the world becomes, it doesn't take much light to light up a room. So, so, you know, talking about survivalist stuff, Tammy, when you're in a really, really dark place and you light a match, 
it, it, that can light up a room. Yeah. So the darker things get, it doesn't take very much light to, to cast out the darkness. And that's what we have to do. Well, we have to, to be very introspective first and get our own, our own houses in order. And then once, once we do that, we, we can really be positioned to help others. And, and, uh, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical here. I'm here to talk about the economists and what we do, but this is all part of it. You know, it, it's all part of thriving in, in the world that we're living in. Amen. Amen. And this was just such an awesome interview. I very am very grateful for you taking the time. And folks, I encourage you also to go to our YouTube channel and watch my most recent video. Um, I, I think you'll enjoy it. It's on the same lines. You can find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Wilderness. But again, Kirk, thank you so much. We will have all of Dr. Kirk Elliott's information in the show notes, and I encourage you to go take advantage of his free offers. That is amazing stuff. You don't get that all the time. He's, he's got a heart to give, to share, and to help. Please take advantage. Keep your eyes open and pay attention to what's going on and really let what he spoke today sink in. It's coming, and we just need to be prepared for it. So, guys, Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. It uh, humbles me that you take that time with me. And just have a great week. Stay safe, stay prepared, and God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kirk. Take care, everyone. You're listening to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where you will learn something new every week. We hope you enjoyed the show and encourage you to join us at treyerwilderness.com. And be sure to connect with us on iTunes. Remember, your reviews on iTunes are very important to us and help us reach more people just like you. 